0: May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be now and always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer, Amen. If it wasn't for Saint Melitus, we would not be here today. It is the Venerable Bede who tells the famous story of Pope Gregory going to the market in Rome and seeing some young slaves with fair complexion, handsome faces, and lovely hair. He asked where they came from and was told that they come from the island of Britain. He asked, were the British Christians? And was told that the country was still largely pagan. He then asked what was the name of their race, and was told that they were Angli. And his well-known reply was this, Good, they have the face of angels, and such men should be fellow heirs of the angels in heaven. Well, partly as a result of this encounter, and maybe some other more prosaic factors, Gregory the Pope launched his mission to the English in 595 AD, He chose Augustine, abbot of the monastery that he had founded in Rome, dedicated to St. Andrew, to lead the mission. And Augustine arrived on the shores of Kent two years later. He and his group of missionaries settled in Canterbury as a base for their activities and started to evangelize the locals. They were helped by the fact that the local king's wife, Bertha, was already a Christian, and the king, Ethelbert was himself baptised soon after. But Augustine's mission was hard work, and it wasn't long before he was asking Pope Gregory for reinforcements. And this is where Miletus comes on the scene. He had been appointed as Augustine's successor to the monastery of St Andrew, and he was now asked to help Augustine by travelling to England to support his mission, a request he could hardly refuse. He arrived in 601, and three years later was appointed the first Saxon Bishop of London. He was to be Bishop of the East Saxons, the territory north of the Thames. South of the Thames was considered Kent, which is why to this day the Diocese of London only contains the land north of the Thames. Bede then says this, After this race had accepted the word of truth through the preaching of Miletus, King Ethelbert built the church of the Apostle St. Paul in the city of London, in which Miletus and his successors were to have their episcopal seat. He means, of course, this very site, on what later became known as Ludgate Hill, that the original St. Paul's church, presumably a small wooden structure, was built for Melitus and his mission, and I always like to imagine Melitus preaching right here on this spot, doing his best to convert pagan London around him, 1400 years ago. About 13 years ago, the 132nd successor to Melitus as Bishop of London, the previous Bishop Richard Chartres, along with John Gladwin, the Bishop of Chelmsford, wanted to start a new theological college, serving the diocese of London and Chelmsford. As their combined territory covered the old land of the East Saxons, they decided to call the college after Miletus. I was privileged to be asked to be the first principal of the college, and remain its president today. So I have had good reason to think about the ministry of Miletus over these past few years. And I have come to think, that his story is all about redemption. Our Bible readings tonight highlight two aspects of St Militus's story. The first reading from 1 Corinthians highlights the way in which St Paul saw his ministry as laying a foundation which others built upon. And in the same way, Melitus, built on the foundations laid in the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ by Augustine, sharing the good news of Christ with the people of England. Now, by all accounts, Melitus was a pretty good missionary. Many people embraced the Christian faith through his preaching. The fact that he was made the first Saxon Bishop of London may suggest that he played a major role in the initial conversion of a good many in this city to Christianity maybe the fact that we are still worshipping here on this very site is a testimony to the ongoing enduring relevance and strength of his work. But why did his mission meet with some success? The bead cites a letter written by Pope Gregory to Melitus which maybe gives us a hint as to why his mission worked. Now remember that Melitus was preaching to a pagan society. One where people were not atheists, but regular worshippers of the pagan gods in the temples and the sacred groves that were scattered across the Roman Empire of the time. And the Christians viewed these gods as essentially demonic powers. Now the instinct for someone like Melitus might have been that once people were converted to Christianity, to destroy their previous pagan buildings and replace them with newly built churches. But in his letter, Gregory recommends something different. He suggests that the Christians use these pagan temples for their worship. Only the statues of the gods should be taken out and replaced with Christian altars and relics of the saints. His idea was that these former pagans will be more likely to come to worship in places they are more familiar with and be able to transition to Christian faith more easily. As they were used to sacrificing animals in worship, Gregory also suggests that they continue to sacrifice and kill animals, but only for food, not for worship. In other words, he wants to make it as easy as possible for a person to leave paganism and to embrace the Christian faith. This was not a hardline, rigorous approach to evangelism, but one that looks for what can be redeemed within the existing culture and can be enriched and find its fulfillment in Christ. It is grounded in a strong doctrine of creation, which sees God at work in different aspects of human culture. It sees human culture as a mix of createdness and fallenness, good and bad, neither denying the goodness that can be found in any human society, yet not being naively uncritical about that culture either. It sees Christianity as enriching and fulfilling the aspirations of human culture, not destroying them. What strikes you is the confidence that a culture can be redeemed, transformed, enhanced and redirected by the coming of the gospel. At a time when our own culture seems at a crossroads, not quite knowing where to go after or if Brexit happens, haunted by a fear of knife crime or modern slavery, with growing anxiety over climate change, Gregory and Melitus's confidence that a similarly directionless Britain in their own time could be changed is a remarkable inspiration for us, their successors in 21st century London. And just as those pagan temples were reused and redirected to the worship of the true God, so human lives and cultures, baptised into the gospel, are not destroyed but redirected, refocused to their true end, the God revealed in Jesus Christ. And yet Melitus's story does not just speak of the redemption of culture but also of people. The Gospel reading for this evening speaks of the Good Shepherd but also the hired hand who runs away at the first sign of trouble because he does not care for the sheep. And this would have been an uncomfortable story for Melitus. After he had been made Bishop of London Melitus had an argument with the still pagan sons of a later king who insisted that he give them the special communion bread which they thought had magic powers, despite the fact that they had not been baptised as Christians. Melitus refused, at which point the king's sons expelled him from the city. Melitus went to confer with his fellow bishops, Lawrence and Justus. And it seems that they were so fed up with these pesky, obstinate Saxons that they decided to give up on them, planning to return home to Italy to live a quieter life. However, in a dream, St. Peter appeared to one of them, Bishop Lawrence, who rebuked him for deserting his post. And he quickly persuaded Melitus to return, which he did. Now, this must have been a distressing episode for Melitus. Banished from his cathedral church here on this site, his mission, despite its initial success, seeming to have failed, London seemed stubbornly remaining pagan. And faced with a little local difficulty, he had run away, just like Peter had done in denying Christ. And yet, as it had been for Peter... Failure was not the end. Miletus did return, and even though the people of London did not accept him back, he ended up succeeding Augustine as the third Archbishop of Canterbury. The last we hear of him is as a sick old man suffering from gout and yet still full of faith. There was a story told of him as an elderly man being carried out from his rooms. face a fire which was ravaging Canterbury and threatening the Cathedral Church there in a fashion that reminds us of the recent fire in Notre Dame in Paris. This time, however, Melitus' prayers were answered. The wind turned and the disaster was averted. Bede puts it like this, So brightly did the man of God burn with the fire of divine love So often had he repelled the stormy powers of the air from harming him and his people by his prayers and exhortations, that it was right for him to be able to prevail over earthly winds and flames, so that they should not injure him and his people. Failure did not define Miletus' life, but his faith in Jesus Christ did. His story is one of redemption. But in Jesus Christ, culture can be redeemed, enriched and fulfilled and redirected. But even more, people can be. People like you and people like me. Failure, rather than the end of the story, can be the beginning. Can be the gateway to humility, to true self-knowledge and wisdom. At this Easter time. The story of St. Melitus can point us back to the truth that through the cross and resurrection of Christ, we and the whole world can be redeemed, forgiven, and restored. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen.